0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for our celebration service of worship for Christmas Eve. Whether you are a member, a guest, or a visitor, we are delighted to gather together in the name of the Lord. And because it is in the name of the Lord that we have gathered, our word of welcome is one that is extended with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever. All are welcome in Christ's house and all are welcome here at First Church. We will have a service for Christmas Day tomorrow at 11 a.m. here in the sanctuary. That service will follow the pattern of a Moravian love feast, which means that if you missed singing all of your favorite hymns, this is a second shot at them tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. So when when breakfast is done and the presents are open, come back to First Church for a love feast tomorrow. Let us now worship the Lord our God as we begin with the lighting of the Advent wreath.
1: We have watched. We have waited. In hope, for peace, in joy, with love. Now our redemption draws near.
2: But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Amen. be seated. Our first scripture reading is from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, or of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth.
0: Our second reading of scripture comes to us from the gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. Continue to listen for the word of God to us this night. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world was to be registered. <coughs> this was the first registration It was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has taken place as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: I have a story to read now if any kids want to come up and join me for this story. You can come sit on the steps up here. Hello, everyone. It's good to see you all. All right. So this is a book called Song of the Stars, A Christmas Story by Sally Lloyd-Jones, and the paintings are by Allison Joy. The world was about to change forever, and it almost went by unnoticed. But the leaves that night rustled with a rumor. News rang out across the open fields. A song drifted over the hills. The wind whispered it softly in the sycamore trees that waved their moonlit branches to the sky a barn owl took flight. Woodland creature stirred. It's time. It's time. In the pine woods, two deer raised their head. A big brown bear sniffed the air. A red fox started. The faces of little flowers lifted to the skies. It's time. It's time. The sky shouted it to the seas that thundered it to the waves that roared it to the great white whales that sang it to the starfish in the deep. And tiny sandpipers danced it on shining sands. It's time, it's time. The running rivers bounded over boulders, and the otters clapped and played and sang to the ducklings that splashed and quacked, to the salmon that leaped and leaped. And tiny field mice and insects and little creeping things, and sparrows and robins, and every single blade of grass squeaked and hummed and chirped and sang, It's time. It's time. Wild stallions drummed it into the ground. Get ready, get ready, be glad, be glad. On a lonely peak, a lion raised his strong head and roared it out to the empty wilderness. The mighty king, the prince of peace. All the stars joined together in a chorus that rang out through the heavens, the bright and morning star. And on a hillside overlooking a little town, sheep nuzzled their new lambs, the Good Shepherd. Suddenly, angels lit up the whole sky and a great choir sang it out loud. It's time, he's come, at last he's here. And in the little town, in a little shed, in a little window, a candle flickered in the dark, and a tiny cry rang out in the cold night air, and high above a single star, set in the highest heavens, shone out brighter than all the others, and poured down silver onto the little shed, a light to light up the whole world. The animals stood around his bed, and the whole earth and all the stars and sky held its breath. The one who made us has come to live with us. And a young mother with no place to rest, nowhere to stay, kept it as a song inside her heart. Our rescuer. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, laying on a bed of straw wrapped in rags, a tiny baby, heaven's son, sleeping under the stars that he made. The end. Thank you for joining me for this story. Merry Christmas to you all.
0: Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Christmas celebrations have the potential to pose a problem for Christians. And I'm sure that's not what is first and foremost in our mind as we gather for worship, but it's there nonetheless. And the problem is this. What does all of this mean? I know we know what it means to us now, or at least I know what it means to me, but how do we fit into the centuries of tradition around Christmas? We are... After all, a couple of thousand years removed from the actual birth of Christ, everything we encounter on a yearly basis seems so very removed from the stories of Joseph and Mary and the donkey, the census, the innkeepers, the shepherds, the magi. Indeed, for Christians seeking a deeper meaning in this season, it seems at times as though we may have to dig very deep, indeed, to sift through layers of holiday debris separating us from the incarnation, like so much crumpled wrapping paper. I suspect this is a surprising opener to a Christmas homily when we are flushed with the holiday spirit. But let's be honest, isn't it a little bit of a challenge this time of year to keep the main thing The main thing. Were our whole observance tied to the myriad ways in which we celebrate, the food, the conviviality, the giving of gifts, then our tidings might not necessarily be of comfort and joy. At our best, we may have tidings of generosity and Epicurean delight. At our worst, tidings of heartburn and credit card bills. But let's be clear, if we're proclaiming anything other than the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, then our tidings are not of comfort and joy. But this is a story of good news, of great joy, so as we contemplate the work and presence of God among us at Christmas, let us turn our attention for a few moments to the incarnation of God. To turn ourselves to the incarnation is to seek to understand the nature of God's presence and of God's very own self made known to us through the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. The revelation of God is the story of Jesus. It is the story of God being with us. We tend to encounter our explanations of that presence this time of year in the gospel narratives, most commonly in Luke. Luke, of course, who tells the happy tale with the shepherds and angels, but also in Matthew, who tells a somewhat darker tale with tyrants and kings. And both tell us of the birth of Jesus, and I love those stories. But they don't tell us the whole story. For that, we need John's Gospel, which gives us a complementary witness. John is a theologian as much as a storyteller. And John tells us about God at Christmas. Now you all know I'm a theologian, so are you, by the way. Everyone who has the slightest interest or the foggiest image of the divine is a theologian. We may be good theologians, we may be bad theologians, we can be Christian theologians, or we can be non-Christian theologians, but if we have any inkling about God, any feelings about God whatsoever, then we are already engaged in the doing of theology. But here's the rub about doing theology. Unless we simply want to be at the mercy of believing everything we feel, a theologian has to identify the basis for what he or she believes. We must identify some locus of the faith claims that we make. That's a pretty simple foundation of classical reasoning, isn't it? One must state the premises in order to draw the conclusion. Otherwise, the validity of the whole conclusion is in doubt. The same rubric must be applied to theologians. Whatever theological claims we want to make at Christmas or otherwise, we must have some foundation. That is why we turn to John, because John writes of the mystery of the incarnation. For Christians, the foundation, the premise, of our theology is God's self-revelation. By revelation, I don't mean the last book of the Bible. That is a revelation. That's Revelation with a capital R, but rather the claim that in Jesus Christ, God has revealed God's self in a unique way that is the unique basis for all of our theological claims. It's the root of revelation, revealing something. For Christian theologians of every strike, stripe, the revelation is Jesus Christ. And so if we want to seek to answer our questions posed by Christmas from the vantage point of faith, we do so necessarily in the person of Jesus Christ. That means if we are going to claim a faith basis for our actions, or our attitudes in life, then we have to pay attention to what that revelation tells us about God. That means we cannot, at Christmas or any other time, rest only in the knowledge of the baby Jesus without paying attention to what the man Jesus said and did. If you've ever seen the movie Talladega Nights, you know exactly what the dangers are of believing only in the baby Jesus. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce sweet little baby Jesus with your baby Einstein, if that sounds ridiculous, it's because it is. And it may seem odd that with such a pantheon of luminaries at my disposal, such as John Calvin and Karl Barth, that I would find my illustrative material in a fictitious rogue race car driver who only wants to go fast and likes the Christmas Jesus best, but there's a lesson there. If we want a faith that enables us to face the issues of life, then we can't have the cradle without the cross. If you ask any reformed theologian to give an answer to the deeper questions of life, that answer begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's theology tells us that not one thing came into being without God. And from the start of it all, the whole thing has been wrapped up in God's sustaining, creating care not for a moment, not for a second, was creation not carried in God's very own being. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We cannot take meaning from the cradle or the cross if we remove either from the context of God's all-sustaining care. The point of the cradle isn't the cute baby Jesus. It is God's vulnerable presence with us, not rejecting us for our sin, but choosing instead to walk with us. And the point of the cross is that God's grace isn't cheap. It's costly. And living the way God calls us to live comes with implications. The point of the cradle is that there is no length To which God has not gone for the love of humankind, and the point of the cross is that there is no limit to God's love. And in between, between the cradle and the cross, Jesus taught us how to live. And this is where the mystery of the Incarnation gives answer to our questions. If our defining characteristic of what it means to celebrate Christmas is to follow Jesus, to live a life in reliance upon Christ, then we must know and we must follow his teachings. To make a declaration that we follow Jesus Christ, and that is the declaration that Christians make, we must live like we know him. And the way we live like we know Jesus is by seeking what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. That means as we worship at the cradle, we must always remember that the cross stands in the background and that the ministry of Jesus called people to lives given in witness to the very God become incarnate. That means not only knowing Jesus' teachings, but living by them as well. And what did Jesus chiefly teach? In John's gospel, it is that we might have life and have it abundantly. Over and over in the pages of the gospel narratives, when asked what we needed to do to live faithfully, Jesus responded simply with an old creed of Judaism, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The heart of a life lived faithfully to the Incarnation is love. Our calling in response to the cradle and the cross is to love as we have been loved. And so that is our answer to the problems posed by the myriad commercial claims of Christmas and to the dyspepsia of family members who simply can't check their politics at the door over Christmas dinner and the heartbreak of loneliness with empty places at the table and the things that didn't go quite the way we expected this year or in the year to come. The heart of the message of Christmas is love. That is God's love for us and the way we best live in response to it is to love one another and so as we come to this table tonight this table that unites us with our loved ones in every time and place this table that remembers Christ dying and rising we remember as well that there is no cradle without the cross and there is no cross without the cradle, because they show us the lengths to which God would go for our love, and they show us the reality that in God, love has no limits. So indeed, those are our tidings of comfort and joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
2: As we gather in celebration of God's incredible gift to us, let us return our gifts to God. Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up us to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. He is right to give and praise. Loving God, we thank you that you showed your love for the world by sending your Son, who gave his life for us and rose again from death, setting us free from the power of sin. We thank you that he has taken away all that separates us from you and has made us friends with you and with one another. We thank you that he has brought us together at his table to strengthen us by his love. We remember that on the night before he died on the cross, Jesus was at supper with his friends. He took the bread, gave it thanks to God for it, broke it and he shared it with them saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you whenever you eat it do so in remembrance of me after supper jesus took a cup of wine and he shared this with his friends too saying drink this all of you this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Dear God, send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine that we may know that Jesus is always with us and help us be his faithful followers, sharing your love with all the world. Lord, remember your church and its people, especially the people of First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and all the children and youth of our church. Watch over the children and youth of the whole world and protect them with your love. We pray for people who are sick today or sad or lonely or afraid, those we know and love and those who have no friends. Help us reach out and be kind to them. We pray for our mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, grandmothers and grandfathers, friends and neighbors, and the special people who take care of us. Help us take care of each other. Lord, hear our prayers and help us all to do your will. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast. Let us join in prayer. God, who takes care of each one of us, thank you for feeding us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Now send us out into the world to tell everyone about your love, amen.
0: forth to proclaim the news of our Savior's birth, to shine the light of God's love for all to see.